This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guests today are Joey Price and Lars Schmidt. They are friends of the show. They've been on episodes before and we will have all of their contact information in the show notes. But they're on today to talk about my favorite subject, what the heck is going on with SHRM. That's the Society of Human Resource Management. And to kick off Black History Month, Sherm put out a tweet that a lot of people didn't like. And so we talk about that on today's episode, along with the future of work, the future of human resources, and where an association like Sherm fits in. What you're about to hear is a conversation between three friends who absolutely love human resources, like we are nerds for it. And you're also going to hear our love for the esteemed institution that is SHRM. Baked in this conversation is affection and real reverence and also disappointment. And it's an honest take about the ups and downs of loving an organization like SHRM. So like I do every week, I want to invite you to sit back and enjoy this really fun conversation with Joey Price and Lars Schmidt, where we ask and answer, what the heck is going on at SHRM? Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey Lori, good to be here. What's up, Lori? Hey Lars. Joey, good to see you, my man. Oh my God, I'm so glad to have you both here. Listen, we're gonna talk about all things interesting to the human resources community, but we're gonna start with my awesome parking spot today outside of Costco. Did you guys see that online? <laughs> it was one of I the did. best parking spots I've ever had in my life. Joey, I know you saw it. I did, I did. I, I liked it on Twitter. So, you know, I, I wanted to hear the story about it when we hopped on the pod today. So you gotta catch us all up. Well, you know, I can't remember Shakespeare, but I can remember some of the best parking spots I've had in my life. And I pulled into Costco today and it was right there, right by the carts, like right by the front door. And I went, oh my God, this is so epic. It beats the parking spot that Ken and I got at the Chinese Lantern Festival in 2018, which was also epic. Like, I'm serious. I remember these boss spots. So I don't know. Am I crazy? Lars, do you ever remember good parking spaces? I don't, but I do know that you can never go to Costco again because you can't beat that. You're retired. You're done. Your Costco trips are over. It's all downhill from here. That's true. That's true. I should go out and buy a lottery ticket. That's my feeling. And then I went to Torchy's Tacos and also got an awesome spot. So I am like on cloud nine. I almost don't want to talk about this topic today, but we have to do it. We have to talk about what the heck is wrong at SHRM. So which one of you wants to give the backstory on SHRM? Like, why are people pissed off at that organization? Who wants to get started? Maybe there's like a disclaimer here to go out is I think we all have more of a love relationship than a hate or what the crap's going on relationship with SHRM. And we're just using a platform to share our thoughts for those who will listen and maybe bring some awareness so we can bring change. My thing with Fix It Sherm, or I guess that's the hashtag that people are using on what's going on right now is, you know, we jumped out of the gate with Black History Month 
in a very not so great way. There was a, a graphic that came up and it was all about how to improve DEI at work, inclusivity at work, and um, there's no diversity in the photo. In the stock image, it was, it was all white people. So Black History Month, this is happening. But you know, Joey, it's not like this is new. I mean, issues with SHRM have been brought about online for many years. I don't know, did it surprise you when you saw that? What surprised me is that it's 2022. It's the leading body for HR and all things work. And this is how we're jumping out of the gate. Whoever created the graphic, approved it, ran it, saw it up for 24 hours and didn't do anything about it until they took it down. It leads me to believe that maybe there aren't the appropriate reflection of diversity within that social media department or uh, the diverse voices in there don't have the power, influence or authority to say, hey, you know, I think we messed this up or we might we might mess this up. So it did surprise me that it's 2022. Of all the things we've gone through in the past, few years about diversity and the reasons why diversity is uh, on the forefront for a lot of minds and a lot of employers for the largest body of HR to get it wrong. That was surprising. Lars, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, so I I certainly wouldn't say that I hate Sherm at all. I'm just incredibly disappointed by them. And the disappointment is endless, right? It's like the incident uh, to kick off Black History Month. It wasn't surprising because they've been careless with how they've messaged so many things. I mean, I remember even going back following in the near aftermath of George Floyd's murder two years ago, and they put out a statement that was really Blue Lives Matter-y in the context. It talked about, didn't say anything about supporting the needs of black employees. It talked about police and how they're on the front lines. And and it's just, it was so tone deaf for the moment. And so for me, I hold them to account because the field would be better served if they did better, if they cared, if they listened, if they seemed to really be making an honest attempt to make changes and take this feedback to heart that they're getting and like yeah people will come at them on social media but it's because they're just pissed they're just so disappointed that yet again it's another misstep and another misstep and for the field of HR who has been through so much in the last two and a half years to have a quote-unquote governing body that just doesn't seem to put in the effort is just incredibly disappointing so I, I think that that's a feeling that a lot of people have and really ultimately it's the point where like relevance is a big question. And I just don't know how relevant they are to modern HR teams, to modern HR functions. I personally don't know anybody in my network who goes to their events, goes to their conferences. They're just not a part of that conversation and they haven't tried to be. And so I think they've lost a whole generation of operators that they'll never get back. Well, I want to push back for a moment because the argument is if a tree falls in the forest or on Twitter, does it really make a sound, right? And Sherm will say, well, we've got what half a million HR professionals on our rolls and we've got money we're profitable for the first time in a billion years and look at us we're great and they almost see the criticism online as disingenuous and also from a ragtag group of bloggers like it's 2009 right people who don't know what they're talking about and who are basically talking to themselves in an echo chamber so i don't know what do you guys think about that criticism of the criticism i think what we're seeing is a lot of other organizations stepping up to become the place that hr pros gather and where hr pros learn i can rattle off at least three 
or four names of HR vendors who are building very successful communities of HR pros, of building successful communities of not only, hey, learn our tool, but also learn the industry. And obviously there are competing certifications and questions about our relevancy of certifications to begin with. So Sherm might say that a tree is falling in Twitter and it's not making a sound, but the industry is saying otherwise. And I think the topics that are being covered in places like Lars, what you're covering in your cohorts and Lori, what you're doing on your show are topics that we aren't seeing Sherm covered. You know, we're not seeing analytics, AI, agile HR. We're not seeing those sorts of things that are really what business leaders are looking for from HR. And so it's not to say that they can't, you know, mobilize a strategy to cover those things, but it's just not top of mind right now. So we may be voices in Twitter and they may say what they'll say, but I think we're on to something and, and where there's smoke, there's fire. And again, we all love Sherm. So we want to see it when it's an institution. It's not just the people that are in it. It stands for something. It means something. Just want to see it relevant in the years to come. I don't know, Lars, what do you think about that? And I do want to say the criticism of the criticism to me is a bit disingenuous. So I bring that point of view to this, but I don't know, where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Joey raised a great point around some of the kind of macro conversations and trends that are happening in HR right now. Like we are in such a pivotal moment for not just HR, but the world of work right? The world of work is changing and HR has an opportunity to directly shape and influence what this looks like. We're building kind of a new post-industrial revolution era of work and we're still getting articles on Sherm about dress code. And and, and so, you know, I'm not like, yes, that's like, that might be petty of me to kind of call them out on that. But I remember that came out in like Q4. It was just like, how out of touch are you? Like talking about tattoos at work, like having conversations. And I do want to push back because for many practitioners, out there, they are still dealing with some of these bread and butter, using air quotes here, issues around tattoos and appearance, not understanding how they speak to the larger issues around bias and, you know, all the isms, but that's another story for another day, but they're dealing with it. So SHRM serves its members and it's almost like this ecosystem exists because that's what the members are asking for. So is it SHRM's fault? You know, I think it goes back to something you said earlier around by SHRM's measure of their own success, they've never had more members, they never had more revenue. Like that's what they're about. Right. And and if that's your barometer for success, absolutely. They're very successful. I hold them to a different standard. I would like to see them charting the conversations around HR's role in this new world of work. And to me, they're advocating that. And that is a huge letdown for the industry. And so again, it's like everybody has their own litmus test of like, what do you consider successful? And by those standards, they're very successful. I measure them differently. And by my standards, they're falling short. They sure they don't care that they're falling short of my standards and that's fine. But that is why I tend to hold them to account and call them out on things like that Black History Month post because they just should do better. It's embarrassing. Some of the stuff that they put out, it's just embarrassing for the field. It just shows no intent, no care. And especially in some of these topics that are delicate topics that are deeply meaningful to many people and should be advocated heavily by this governing body for them to come out with that and leave it hanging out there for 24 hours before they deleted it. It's just, you know, again, it's a small symbol, but it's reflective of a much bigger issue. Yeah, I feel you on that. You know, there is something that I just want to stick with for a second around this notion of criticism, because, you know, on the one hand, Sherm wants to dismiss it as just a bunch of rogue people who don't want to pay their dues, who hang out on the internet all day long. I have started thinking about it in a different way. You know, it's very easy to jump on Twitter and criticize, and it's hard to actually do the work. And I remember Malcolm 
Malcolm Gladwell talking about the Arab Spring. And one of the things that pushed people out into the streets was the fact that governments in Tunisia and Egypt shut off the internet. And when they cut off mobile phone access, people had no choice but to get out and to mobilize and change for a brief moment started to happen in those countries. And I just wonder what y'all think of people who jump on the fix it sherm hashtag, but don't do the work. And frankly, I see it in myself. I'm always asking myself, am I fair? Am I just jumping on a bandwagon? Or do I mean what I say? And am I acting on it? So I don't know. Do either one of you have any thoughts on this? When you talk about broad usage of a hashtag, that could be anybody. I'll take it back to its origin. You know, it started, was started by Victorio. And when he created it, it came from a place, much like I said, like, I don't hate Sherm. I'm just deeply disappointed. I want them to do better. Victorio wanted them to do better. He wanted them to demonstrate ethical leadership and he held them to account. And I think that for people who have that same view, the actions that are shown time and time again tend to be deeply disappointing and people want to express that. But a lot of the, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not well-versed on like everybody who's used the hashtag, but a lot of the conversations that I've seen are people who are actually trying to push for change and they're trying to elevate conversations that need to be elevated. They're trying to create dialogue around the topics that HR practitioners need to be talking about and thinking about. And so I think that does come from a place of like, not just throwing a hashtag and criticize because it's easy, but the people who I see who are often using it are people who are out there doing the work and trying to make a difference for this field because they have a passion and affinity for the field. Well, we talked a little bit about a potential future state for SHRM that's involved in the conversation around the future of work. What does that optimal state look like? And and can we get there? Uh, You know, we certainly have a leader in place who has a POV of that organization, but no leader is forever, right? And hopefully the institution will continue to grow and thrive. So I don't know, Joey, what does the future of work and the future of SHRM look like to you? SHRM prides itself on being the voice of HR. And I think right now it should be the ears of HR, listening to what folks on Twitter are saying, what industry is saying about HR. It's great to have conversations about dress codes and tattoos, but the tactical things that are going to drive organizations forward don't just stop at, are you doing a virtual holiday party or not? So it would really be reaching out to some of those leaders who are on the cutting edge, bring them in for roundtables, maybe evaluate board positions and content ideas and see what can be done to, as Lars said earlier, guide the conversation as opposed to being reactionary to it. We're in a space now where there's no bigger topic among executive leadership than people. And that's at the small business level, that's at enterprise, that's in government. People is the number one topic that folks are talking about. And so having more depth to the conversation that's coming out and not just for the purpose of content, kind of, you know, keeping up with the content churn is something that will be important. So I think just listening to what folks are saying and figuring out how to be on the forefront of the conversation about the future of work. I like it. Lars, what are you thinking? Wow. It's tough to follow that. I think Joey nailed it in his points. You know, the only thing that I would kind of wonder, I love Joey's idea about, you know, not being the voice of HR, but being the ears of HR, but I don't think they've got the right voices steering where they're going, right? Like, I think that again, like there's a huge population, particularly on like the leading modern progressive wing of HR that have nothing to do with SHRM. And so even if they were speaking to SHRM, SHRM's certainly not listening to them. They're not connected in any way. They're just moving on. And they're gravitating towards some of these other new communities and grassroots communities, whether it's, you know, the roots of a place like HR Open Source or Hacking HR or HR Evolution, like kind of seeding the community-oriented roots. Like, I think those are coming up everywhere now. And you're seeing those 
overseas, you're seeing them here. And I think it's a matter of practitioners because we are, you know, when you look at the evolution of HR, we've moved away from some of these silo black box ways of thinking that like everything's proprietary, we don't share anything. We're embracing open source at scale now. And so you're seeing so many people just taking it amongst themselves to create their own peer groups where they're sharing and they're passing leads and there's no paywall. Nobody cares about revenue or subscribers. I don't know how you will ever take those people and then say, no, Sherm has something for you. I think that that whole population is lost. You know, when I worked at the Star Conspiracy, my colleague Brett Starr taught me that associations were created as a mechanism to sell things to people. So whether it's the NRA or the Chamber of Commerce or the National Candy Association, the association may exist to lobby and, you know, do work around legislation. That certainly happens, but it mostly exists to sell these people things. And so I wonder if we're even being honest about why SHRM exists and going forward, I don't know. What do y'all think of that model? Had you heard that before? It gives an indicator of what the motivators are, right? Like, and again, like they're not a charity, but you can be revenue based and profit based and still have charitable components to how you operate and how you think. And I think like for me, it goes back, like my big break with Sherm happened at the beginning of the pandemic when I was building out some open source coronavirus support resources, because I realized like we're in a once in a generation thing that nobody's ever been through. And like literally lives are dependent on HR getting this right. And they had resources behind their paywall that they wouldn't open. And they said, no, these are for paid members. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm done. If there ever there is a moment to kind of set that profit approach and driver to the side and do what's best for the industry and society, like that was it. If you can't beat that moment, I have no faith that the current institution can meet any of these broader moments that we're facing right now. Well, Joey, as we start to wrap up the conversation, I know you're focused on the future of work and you're having amazing conversations. You're doing great things in the world of human resources, supporting businesses. Tell me, are you optimistic about the future of HR? And what do you want people to know about the work you're doing right now? I'm very bullish on the future of HR and more importantly, the future of people. I think the more that we lean into the human element of work, the greater outcomes that we'll see not only in our work product, but the relationships that we have with one another. The whole conversation of DEI, the whole conversation of equity, the whole conversation of better work engagement has to do with how we're treating people. And I think that as we pursue growth, success, agility, as we pursue the future of work and what's changing, it's going to be important that we get these relationships right and we get performance management right. And we have those conversations, not just like, can someone show up with tattoos or can they show up with a dress code? So the future of work is very strong, very positive. There's a big need for HR because we're the referees of the future of work, but we're also the coaches too. So having that unique vantage point for the worker in the HR space is exciting. Well, Lars, take us out. What are you thinking about work, HR, life? Like, where's your head at these days? And does any of it relate to Sherm? I'm incredibly excited. I've never been more excited about our opportunity to have a lasting and transformative impact on, again, like reshaping the world of work. This isn't just like, can you do stuff remotely? Can you do this? is like how we work, where we work, when we work, how we prioritize things like mental health, how we embed building inclusive and equitable organizations throughout our people systems, right? Like all of the people operating systems. All of that. These are seismic things that are happening and they're changing and we're on the front lines of all of this. So I'm, I've never been more bullish to Joey's point. You've defined it for me, 
me so I could I could repeat it again. You never, I'm a bit more bullish on the future of our field. Sherm will have a role in it, of course, right? They're a force. They'll continue to be a force. They're not necessary in the future that I'm envisioning in terms of like that leading edge. They're, they're that, let's own like the HR sector is very broad and there's some people at the leading edge and there's some people that are still working, you know, under constructs of a decade ago. And like that's reality. And so I think they will continue to serve a population that maybe isn't in a position to kind of really shape that leading edge. But I don't know that we need them to chart that new path. I think there's plenty of people doing that. There's plenty of organizations. There's plenty of grassroots areas doing that. And I'm excited to watch that evolve. Well, I'll just wrap this up by saying that my dream for Sherm is to be a bridge. You know, not everybody has the privilege or the budget or the opportunity to work in leading edge organizations or to be exposed to really brilliant ideas. And wouldn't it be great if Sherm could adopt more of a learning model versus an advertorial model, you know, where they're just selling a magazine, selling a conference, selling vendor space. So that's my hope for Sherm. And that's my dream for that organization. And I'm really glad you were both here today to talk about them. And I'm sorry it took a really terrible graphic about Black History Month to bring us together to have this conversation, but I'm glad we did it. Joey, if people want to find more out about you and your new podcast, tell them where they can go. Yeah, you can follow me online at Joey V. Price HR. I've got a new podcast. We're about 13 episodes in called While We Were Working. It's practitioner advice of things that we're seeing while we're working and while you were busy. So a consultative advice as well as topics that you need to know. And you can reach out to my organization at jumpstart-hr.com. Well, we'll have all of your good stuff in the show notes. And Lars, you're HR famous. You're just, you're famous. So like people know who you are and what you're all about, but where do they go? Oh boy. Um, everything's at amplifytalent.com. So you can just go there. I'm on Twitter at Lars if you want to uh, engage there, but check out Joey's new podcast. I'm excited to do that too. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, guys, thanks for being guests on Punk Rock HR. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Lori. See you, Joey. See you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by the Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to the Star Conspiracy. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. <laughs>